0: Coming up next on 2NURFM, it's Thursday Finance. Stephen Pritchard joining me, Jane Klein, and we'll have a visit from Leah Jay from Leah Jay Property Management a little later on. We're going to look at managing your rental property. We'll also take a look at the market, see what that's up to too, and currency and commodities will be along as well. Stephen Pritchard, I'm going to start off by asking you about this proposal to include the family home when Centrelink is assessing – I'm sorry, Human Resources, the department anyway, that deals with – Yes.
1: Centrelink uh, is
0: planning to well, use it for deeming purposes. This
1: is one of the proposals that have been floated. There's a whole raft of proposals. Um, basically, the government's looking at ways to um, um, cut down on expenditure on um, social security benefits, if they're, they're still called that, I assume. Um, and one of, the re- one of the things that has been raised is that the, presently the family homes are exempt from social security deeming and um, there is talk or one of the proposals is that um, that would be included in future. And what, what, that, would have with effect, what, what that would have is the effect of um, reducing the benefits that were payable under the age pension depending upon, or any other... Social security benefit for that matter, depending on um, the value of the house um, and, and when it's bought in and whether various people will be grandfathered. Um, personally, I think it's just too hot, that's too hot a potato. The government's not going to. I would be very surprised if any government will tackle that issue. Mm. Um, but what, what, what might be more palatable is there's also talk of um, this thing called. Um, a reverse mortgage becoming more pop, more more um, um, common, and basically that how how that works is is if you you've got this family home and a lot, a lot of retirees, particularly with the increase in property prices, are, are asset rich and uh, cash poor, and um, you can go along to various financial institutions and borrow some money on your your house. And that doesn't have to be repaid until you either leave the house or you pass away. And that's what's known as a reverse mortgage. Now, presently, um, there is a complex formula where Seneclair assesses the proceeds from those reverse mortgages. And there is talk about that that will be changed to encourage people to take reverse mortgages um, to, to top up their living standards instead of relying so much on the age uh,
0: hmm.
1: pension.
0: Okay, but all that will come out in the budget, I'm sure.
1: Um, maybe, I wouldn't, oh, maybe. Have, I, I wouldn't expect it to come out in the budget I would have thought there's a, uh, the reverse mortgage stuff might come out in the budget But I, but I would have thought any uh, inclusion of um, the, your house or principal residence in uh, assessment for social security purposes is a long way away
0: Okay, alright, so let's see what is happening a little bit closer to our time and have a look at Commodities.
1: Well, we missed our uh, we missed uh, uh, our updates last week because of uh, certain events, certain certain out of uh, acts of God and weather events. Um, so so the the prices we were moving are actually on last week, but not the, not the previous time we we're here. So so the gold price was down about a, a percent on the week, um, down to fifteen hundred dollars an ounce. Um, the silver price was up. Which is unusual because gold and silver usually move together. But the the silver price was up one percent to about twenty dollars an ounce, um, and the resor- uh, the um, industrial minerals, the copper and uh, nickel and tin, were also up for the week. So it's interesting the the the, the precious metal, the, the gold, which is usually seen as a, a flight to safety, in certain times is down, and the the um, Industrial minerals are, are up slightly. So.
0: Mm, so we'll have blocks of titanium or something under the bed, will we?
1: Well, titanium is. Um,
0: That's not an industrial metal. No, okay.
1: No, I, I'm <laughs> not sure. Nickel, nickel, yes, probably. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: Um, and then the currency. Well, the currency is interesting. Um, the currency at one stage yesterday it, was, it closed at just below eighty cents uh, last mm-hmm. night, and at one stage yesterday it was trading above eighty cents. So the, the Australian dollar is actually going back up again. Is, is that
0: going to encourage more
1: investment from outside um from overseas from overseas um no it actually has the opposite does it effect. yes okay because it becomes more expensive for people from overseas to invest in australia when the dollar goes up
0: you don't think we might get increased interest rates, which that's what encourages people to invest. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I
1: don't think, I don't think that the Reserve Bank's going to put up interest rates. If there was any movement, uh, they would actually be down, I suspect. Right. But the, the problem the Reserve Bank's got is that the economy's saying they should reduce rates, but the property market's just going up and up, and reducing um, the rates has the effect of pushing the property up, market up even more.
0: Mm, nice. Yes.
1: So, so the Australian dollar is was basically up against all the major currencies in the last week. So, uh, um, that that's also not good for exports. I mean, exports benefit from a lower currency.
0: It helps travellers.
1: It helps travellers such as yourself, Jeff. <laughs>
0: I'm here, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not travelling. Okay. What else are we um, the,
1: over the last over the last week? The the index, the All Ordinary index, was up, but but um, a lot of that was given up yesterday and probably this morning. So we're probably back around where we were. So last week, over the last week, so there's probably no change in that. The overseas markets were, were changes of less than one percent on the last week. So there's no material difference in that so the world economic markets have just basically been steady over the last week and um the oil price the oil price um the west texas intermediate was was up by 0.9 percent so you know you're talking about you know about a dollar a barrel so that's not really material when i thought
0: so that won't make too much difference at the bowser?
1: Well, I don't think our prices have got any relationship <laughs> to the bowser. <Baza>. Well, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be. Seems to be. Well, the Newcastle, the Newcastle unleaded petrol price was actually down, and it uh, actually was down in the week, and as we said, the, the crude oil price was up. So um, this morning, the uh, Newcastle prices, thanks to NRMA, were $1.33 a litre. And Sydney is a dollar thirty, so we 've still got a three cents gap, but not as bad as it was some time ago, eight or nine or ten and that diesel prices a dollar thirty four compared to a dollar thirty four last week and a dollar twenty eight in sydney so so there's really there 's been a very small drop in Unleaded, but no other changes.
0: Thursday, Finance is a program. It's 27 past 12, and we do it for our sponsor, Pritchard & Partners. No Henry Jennings today, Stephen, so we're picking your brains as to what the market's up to. And uh, Australia's had a really good credit rating over the years, AAA, in fact. There's some talk that that might be at risk.
1: Uh, Yes, um, Goldman Sachs came out yesterday and said that there's a risk that Standard & Poor's, which is one of the credit rating agencies, um, would put um, Australia's AAA credit rating on negative watch with the possibility that it may have been downgraded. Um, personally, I don't know, you know why anyone takes any notice of the credit rating agencies because they got it so wrong during the GFC, which is basically what caused the GFC. But there still seems to be um, a, a body of people who do, and the result of the down, a possible downgrade would be the funding costs of the Australian government would go up because they, people would pay, want a higher return for a lower rate, a credit rated. Um, right. Um, that's assuming, of course, the other credit rating agency puts it down as well.
0: Right. So there's
1: two major credit rating agencies, Minis and Standard & Poor's. So the result of this would be, would be that the funding costs of the Australian government's interest costs would go up, and likewise for the for the Australian big Australian banks who are big overseas borrowers, would pay more.
0: So it's overseas money that's going it's to cost more. more it's yes, yes, overseas money that would more. Credit rating.
1: Overseas wholesale money. Mm. And, and as a result of that, and a comment from the, um, the uh, chairman of the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority yesterday that uh, banks are going to be required to increase their capital, which has been talked about. For a while, and APA seems determined that this is going to happen. Um, the, the banks um, fell dramatically yesterday, or considerably, which pushed the whole market down. So, you know, if, if the credit ratings drop, um, bank funding costs will go up. Um, also, if they're, they're forced to raise additional capital, which, which seems is going to happen, um, their ability to pay dividends, or their growth in, or at the very least, the growth in the dividends, um, won't occur and um, the bank share prices will probably continue to fall, which which they did this morning on on these announcements that came out yesterday. Mm.
0: So you might expect less of a return from your bank shares if that happens.
1: Yes, I mean, it's not looking that um, CBA is going to get to the $100 in the next month or so at the moment.
0: Right. Okay, let's move over to Western Australia and the Pilbara, and Fortescue's been sacking some workers.
1: Yes, Fortescue's, um, as we spoke about before, Fortescue, because of the fall in the iron ore price and the continuing fall in the iron ore price, although it was up slightly this week, um, Fortescue's trying to... Uh, uh, tighten costs and pulling their belt, and one of their big costs is workers. They've put off um, 200 or so in the last week, and they're talking about numerous other workers are going to be put off in uh, the near future. I mean, it's basically a matter of you know the company's got to survive by by cutting costs, and you know that's where most of the costs are. Well, that's where a lot of the costs are that can be cut. I mean, once you've built the infrastructure, I mean, you, you bought your your trucks and stuff, you can't really cut them. The really variable cost that's left is the Unfortunately, the employees and, and uh, I think Fortescue is getting the publicity, um, because they're so large, but there's been cuts up here in the.
0: 100 million
1: in the the coal mining industry, and there's still ongoing cuts.
0: Mm. Now, what about the big two? Big two rather, West Farmers and Woolworths. How are they faring? Oh,
1: that's interesting. Uh, Yesterday, West Farmers um, came out and said that their market share is continuing to increase against um, coal uh, against uh, Woolworths, um, both in the um, Coles uh, Coles grocery brand and the Bunnings um, hardware brand. Um, against uh, Woolworths', uh, um, shopping, grocery shops and, uh, the Masters. I mean, Masters so far is generally, um, seen to have been a bit of disaster. Um, uh, and, um, I think one of the reasons is, I mean, if you look around here, the Bunnings has got all the best sites. And if you want to, you want to go to Masters and you live in the city here, you've got to go all the way up to Heatherway, where there's, you know, it's just not going to happen. Mm. Unless, unless you're keen on travelling out there, but I, but I wouldn't. If mm. they basically sound the same goods, you'll go to the closest ones. So, anyhow, Woolworths well, is looking at um, reducing their prices in order to stem the market share loss. Um, and um, they are trying to restructure masters to, to stem the losses and hopefully move it a profit, which they're talking about. Walworths is talking about getting masters into a profit by 2016.
0: So that's the real battlefield at the moment, the hardware shops yes,
1: business of yes, the West hardware Farmers and
0: Willis. Yes, mm. yes.
1: And unfortunately, Walworth was late to, the, late to the business and um, Bunnings has got the best sites. Mm.
0: Okay, what about Tats? Now they seem to be spending a bit of money and to look a bit different, buying yes, new yes, dress Yes, this
1: is one thing that Henry would hate. Tats um, has got to rebrand their wagering business Um to more to more accurately compete against tab, to, to 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 increase their competition chances against Tabcorp, so you know all this rebranding. I mean, I, I don't really know whether it does any good. I mean,
0: but will they be going? That
1: costs a lot of money.
0: So I suppose these businesses are more online now than they yep. used to be. Yeah, mm. yeah. This is Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And our market snapshot at the moment, and Stephen Pritchard is sharing his knowledge of the market, um, MYOB is floating.
1: Yeah, MYOB is an accounting software um, for the, that's used by a lot of small businesses, and um, it, it was previously listed on the stock exchange, and then was taken over by private equity and has been sold, I think from one private equity fund to another private equity fund. Now, now they're looking to raise additional capital on the um, share market. Um, there's been a draft prospectus going around. Um, Australian institutions have come to the view that the price being asked for the business is too high, and they're trying to now market it overseas. Um, if that doesn't raise sufficient capital, you'd expect that the price range that they're going to issue the shares will be uh, decreased and become more palatable to Australian investors.
0: Mm. Are there any other competitors in the market? Uh, there's market- a number of
1: competitors. The two major competitors is, is, is Recon, which provides um, uh, accounting software for small business and accounting practices. And the growing competitor, or the one, the one that is actually taking market share of um, NYB, if it's occurring like it is in our practices, is online software from New Zealand called Xero. Um, and Xero claims to have approximately 400,000 users of their software. The, ma- the major difference is that Zero is a, a cloud-type software. It's done across the internet, and MYB has... Ma- the majority of MYB stuff is installed on your own PC, but they do have... A, or are attempting to develop a cloud version. Um, and, you know, Zero share price has halved in the last year, but, but you know, when we're talking about that, we're talking it's dropped from $40 to $20. I mean, Zero share price at one stage was just going up vertically... Um, and now it's come back a bit. So
0: The cloud is becoming more and more important in all sorts of areas, isn't it?
1: Um, yes, and, and it raises a number of issues that people don't typically think about. I mean, one of them is, is where is the data actually stored? I mean, zero, Zero's data is stored in the um, US, so um, you get, you're making yourself subject to US law, and one of the other vendors' data is stored in, um, somewhere in China. Um, so you, you know you need to ask about the security of these vendors, and if what if something goes wrong, um, have you got a backup of your data here in Australia? Mm, yes. I, mean, I don't know what the US law says, but I don't really want to find out. In China, I imagine it'd be worse. <laughs> yes.
0: Hmm. So iinet uh, seems to be on the market.
1: Yes. Um, TPG announced to take over bid for iinet and. Um, uh, initially, the Iron8 board said, yes, it was a good offer. Then some of the Iron8 board said, no, no, it wasn't good enough. And then in the last week, M2 Group, which is another technology come, company, has come along and made a higher offer. So I'd expect um, you wouldn't be rushing in and accepting either offer at the moment. Just sit back and wait until it plays out. Wait for the auction. Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's what's already happened. I mean, TPG's not likely to come back with a higher offer. Mm-hmm. Or, or may come back with a higher offer.
0: So this is a friendly takeover, we're assuming?
1: With the, oh, I don't think it is. Ah, no, so. Okay. I, I think, I think the, 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 it started reasonably friendly with IRONet and TPG, um, but then there was some dissension in the IRONet board, so I'm not... Oh, I don't think you'd class it as friendly at this stage.
0: Mm. Okay, now another company we're looking at at the moment, um, something to do with almonds and
1: Select Harvest. Yes, Select Harvest. Select Harvest is an almond um, producer. Um, Australia, for um, a lot of people don't seem to know, is the second largest almond producer in the world. And mm. um, Select Harvest... Is the major producer in Australia, and interestingly, because of a drought, um, their returns are going up. Last year, they they um, achieved about eight dollars thirty a kilo for the armours they produced, and this year the price has gone to eleven dollars, the wholesale price. So the shop price is going to be up considerably, I imagine. That's drought
0: in Australia.
1: I was coming to that. Ah. So it's actually drought. It's actually a drought in California. Um, The almond producer, which California is the world's largest almond producer, or the U.S., um, a drought in California has caused a um, um, decrease in production in the um, U.S., and that is actually benefiting the Australian um, Mm. producers. So Australia is actually benefiting from a drought. Yes,
0: isn't that nice?
1: And of course there seems to be an increasing demand for almonds. I, I noticed a health shop over the road in Hamilton sells large bags of almonds and you know everyone seems to be eating these almonds for breakfast. <laughs> I my son's decided to eat handfuls of almonds. The latest superfood. Mm.
0: And finally, Stephen, the recent storms, of course, have caused so much damage and IAG, would they be bearing
1: the brunt of the insurance costs? Well, they've, they've estimated the claims are going to be $300 million, but I, I would have thought they'd been, you know, just... Just looking at the damage around here, I, w- I would have thought it'd be more than 300 million. But, but you know, there's other insurers as well. But I would have thought the IAG is one of the larger um, residential insurers around this area. So they've estimated the damage of 300 million. Um, they, they, some of that would have been reinsured, but no doubt it will have some effect on their profitability in the next half year. So that might affect dividends,
0: might affect share prices. I wouldn't
1: have, think, I wouldn't have thought it would affect dividends. I would have thought the share price had already been factored in once they announced the the $300 million. No, I think it will affect the profitability There.
0: Yes, okay. And I suppose insurance companies have a very complex mechanism of backup funding
1: too, which uh, is... There's, there's reinsurance and they're subject to prudential regulation mm. from APRA and they're supposed to provision against the likely claims as the policies are written. So mm. I don't think there's any difficulty about them paying. I'm sure there's no difficulty about them paying. It's just the, the amount that they're going to have to pay. Yes, and, in the scheme of things surrounding me there 's not much for i g in here
0: Thursday finance for our sponsors, Pritchard and Partners, and Stephen Pritchard well, rental properties they 're often a very good investment, and they need to be managed.
1: rental properties are, are very poor property investment's very popular at the moment. I thought we 'd get Leah Jay along who 's um, had over twenty years experience in um, managing rental properties for investors, and uh, let 's just talk about. Um, managing rental properties. So, so Leah, when when people first look at, um, decide to go and buy an investment property for for renting out, what should you think they should look for?
2: Oh, Stephen, I think what is really important, they should first of all establish what their budget, what they can afford, and then look for the best possible property in the most sought-after location that they can go for. Once having done some research and establishing that, low maintenance is really important, Something that um, is going to be attractive to tenants and so you need to do your homework to know what that's actually going to be. A safe bed is always close to public transport and schools. Not so much on busy roads and um, highways. And I think probably buy something that actually feels really good to you and that you'd be at some stage comfortable to live in if it came down to that. Doesn't have to be fantastic, but generally something that's really fresh, clean and, um, you know, presents really well.
1: So, so properties that are fresh and clean and presents well rent better than, than properties that are a bit run down and tired, tired looking.
2: Much so. And look, I've been, um, I've been managing properties for now for about 27, 28 years. And over that time, we've seen a huge, um, change in the type of people investing in property. Um, there are now a lot more people renting properties as well. So the, the expectations of people are much higher. So gone are the days um, where you can rent out shabby, dirty, um, unkept properties, so to speak. And we have a lot more legislation around now as well. Um, but it, it's for the um, for the owners and for the tenants. It's just really important that they present those properties in the best possible light.
1: So you said that the, the people who are renting out properties have changed over the last 20 years. What, what did you... Oh, that's... Yeah. Look... That's ba- interesting.
2: Back 20 years ago, our investors were, I call them traditional investors. They were generally people who had paid off their own home. They had um, then gone on and saved money for an investment property. They'd gone out and bought the next property, but they were, they were secure in other areas of their life. Over the last 10 or 15 years, there's been a, a, a lot of more influence on people using the equity in their home, going out and purchasing properties which then means that they sometimes they're a little bit short because there's been a pressure there's been a lot of media attention on this sort of thing as well and people go out and buy these buy the properties and they don't really have the money to support and fund them because owning an investment property does take ongoing care and maintenance mm-hmm. and money. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean that's right. I mean, so
2: that's the difference that I've noticed in the in the investors, the traditional investors, I call them. Yeah.
1: So how how do you go about selecting the tenants that are going to the the property? I mean that'd be yeah. a hard bit. You see all these uh, horror <gasps> stories on the television.
2: Yeah, it, it look we um those horror stories exist and and we see a little bit of it, but it comes down to tenant selection is like um hiring somebody for a job, I guess, and and when tenants are actually going to. Um, apply for a property, that's how they should look at it, that they're actually applying for a job. Because up until the last five or six, six months, the market's changed in the last five or six months. But prior to that, um, it was very difficult for people to rent properties in all our regions locally. So um, um, it's for them, it was, yeah, really take great care in putting together that application. In selecting it, we look for people who um, have got the capacity, number one, the capacity to pay the rent, whether they'll be working. Sometimes they may not have an income from work, but there'll be some other source of income. So it's thoroughly checking that capacity to pay. And it's also um, a, a tenancy reference. If they've been renting from another agent locally, that carries a lot of weight. But not everybody's in that position. So sometimes it's, um, it comes back to us as property managers, having a chat, having a talk to people, and finding out a little bit about them as people and what, they, what they're about. So a little bit of gut feel Backed up by as much um, supporting evidence and documentation that we can.
1: So it's like reference checking when you when you, if we employ someone, we bring up the previous employer and check the references and.
2: Yeah, yeah, check their check their work references. Not so much personal references, but we we rely on them a little bit. But that previous or current rental reference um, does uh, go a long way. Yeah, that does support. It's, going to be people who uh, may not have a rental reference. They may be homeowners, um, previous homeowners or new to the area. There are other ways that we go about checking those things but um, we verify all that. The key is if we don't start off with the right tenant for the owners and for the property managers, for us, it's um, that sets the tone for the experience the whole way through. It is Thursday Finance for our
0: sponsor Pritchard & Partners and we're looking at um, all the stuff that's involved in managing a rental property at the moment with Leah Jay from Leah Jay Property Management, Stephen.
1: So so after you've um, selected the tenant and the tenant moves in, what, what does the property manager do then? Do they go out and inspect the property regularly? Or?
2: Yeah, first of all, before the tenant moves in, Stephen, we actually go and do a full what's called a resi- uh, an ongoing inspection report, and that's part of the legislation. It's actually part of the tenancy agreement, so that under the legislation it has to be done. So that's done before the tenant goes in. The tenant has an opportunity. They have seven days to go through that report after it's provided to them at the commencement and, um, and see if they'd agree or disagree with that report and get that back to the property manager. Assuming everything's in order, uh, the tenancy, the tenants move in, they settle in, and then after about six to eight weeks, we use that as a starting point. We go around, have a look at the property, have a chat to the tenants, and just make sure that any little moving in issues have been taken care of. And I guess that just gives us a good indication to see how things are going. We're hoping they would have run the vacuum around, cleaned the bathroom and the shower a few times before we get there and um, have a nice cup of tea on the bench but not always the case if we go there and there's a few little issues then that's a good opportunity to have a chat to the tenant and try and straighten those out and nip them in the bud mm. we see that as um, being of service obviously to our owners but also to our tenants as well it sets a standard um, sometimes property managers uh, Uh, it's said that they don't go out and do the inspections. You know, they promise to do them, but they don't. But we feel that that first one sets a really good standard for, for both of our clients, our owners and tenants. So you do
1: that about eight weeks after the tenants moved in? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happens if you actually um, it all goes wrong and you go out there mm. and, and you know the place is a big mess? Yes. Yes. Which, which unfortunately must happen occasionally. Yes. What can the what can the landlord or the the, ma- the property manager do about that?
2: Okay. So we always have to work within the legislation. Yes, so, basically, uh, we go out there and we find that there's something not quite right. Then the, the way around that is first of all to address it with the tenant. Um, we have to bring that to their attention, depending on what the breach may be. Um, go back and have a chat with your owner because we all our owners are different and they're they're investing in property for different reasons and we it's we have to find out what that reason or that motivation is. Sometimes it's to keep the tenants in in place because they don't want to have the property vacant. Others it's about making sure that property is looked after. If um, if it's a matter of okay the breach is too bad, then we have to come back and we issue termination notices as a reflection on what that breach may be and uh, and then follow that process through the key thing is always about communication it's communicating clearly with your owner clients and our tenant clients all along the way yeah
1: and so what about when we've had um, the weather events we had last week and the rental property gets damaged who who looks after the Fixing all that up. Does the the property manager do that, or does the yes. does the owner has to go out and climb on the roof and put well, the tiles back on?
2: Well, at this time, um, when things like we've just experienced last year, I guess that's where it's good to have a property manager, not to be managing your own property, because yes, the property manager in our case does take care of all that sort of thing. So um, it's our responsibility to um, liaise with the tenant to find out if there has been any damage. And then, based on that damage, go back to the owner. Or some cases, it might also be a um, a unit or an apartment, in which case we work in with strata managers. But we take care of all that sort of thing. So we make arrangements for the repairs and the maintenance. We liaise with the tradespeople, the insurance companies, strata. Um, so as you can imagine, we have been absolutely smashed in the last um, yep. the last week. <laughs> yeah. Owners do have to generally make their own contact with insurance companies in the first yeah. place,
1: yeah. But you'll tell the owner that there's a, pro- there's a problem and they need yeah. to contact the insurer and get the accessory. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay, And so what about if the, the property needs upgrading, in your view? You communicate that to the owner, if it needs new carpet or painting or...?
2: Yes, yeah. And look, I think as a general rule, um, these days we're finding that properties with fair wear and tear, we're getting about seven to possibly eight, ten years out of properties. At that point, they do need recarpeting and repainting and sometimes kitchens and and bits Mm -hmm. and pieces. So we'll chat with our owners, give our owners that feedback, and, um, and then based on that, we're always looking to see what needs to be done to improve the return on the property for the owner and have that communication with them. And then if need be, yep, as um, property managers will go out, prepare, organize the quotes, come back to the owners and um, implement things.
1: So the tenant signs the lease, I mean how long does the lease usually go for?
2: That's a a very good question and it's a a case by case basis, pretty standard they're generally 26 weeks which is 6 months Mm -hmm. or a 52 week term. That, again, is determined in discussion with the owner and what their requirements are and also what the market's doing at the time. So there's a lot of factors, a couple of factors, that we take into account there.
1: Right. So, so once they've signed the lease, you can't change the rent during that term?
2: Or? No. So if they sign for six months at $300 a week, that's it. The rent cannot be increased during that time period.
1: And, yeah. and then at the end of the lease, you can review the 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 rent so the rents ever go down
2: yeah and actually we're not obviously not during a fixed term but we are experiencing that at the moment so um, earlier in our discussion I mentioned six months ago we had a very different market to what we have now Um, currently we have got um, there are vacant properties in the city that uh, we may have been getting $450 a week for in some suburbs and we're now advertising those properties at $400 a week we had a huge um, demand for property and then in the last, um, you know, uh, couple of months, that demand has eased quite considerably.
1: And there's all those new properties being built that are being marketed to investors as well, which is, which is going to aggravate that. It does. It has a huge effect. Okay. Well, I think Jane's telling me <laughs> we have
2: to. <laughs> We're
0: getting to the end of Maybe. Thursday finance. So thank you very much to Leah Jay. Thank from you. Leah Jay Property Management and also to Stephen Pritchard.